0: You're listening to The Fit Habit, where we explore how to stay well and fit well after 40. My name is Karen McGill. I'm the host of the show. Let's get to it. Hey, everyone. It has been about four months since my last podcast, and uh, today I'm going to explain to you what's been going on in my life and also talk a lot about fitness and ADHD diagnosis because that is, in fact, the reason why I have not been around. So, uh, boy, where do I start with this? So right now, I'm recording this at the end of July 2021, and it feels like, it looks like, sort of is, uh, the beginning of the end of the pandemic season that we've all gone through. I know a lot of people are still in, in like lockdown and various different stages of the pandemic, depending on where you are in the world. But here in the US, it feels like the beginning of the end of this hideous, horrendous experience that we've all gone through together. Uh, And it's funny that, you know, as we were going through the height of the pandemic, I think a lot of us were in that fight or flight mode where our nervous systems were on high alert and we were just trying to figure out how to uh, adjust and live in a completely new world. And now that we're sort of at the end of that, and things are starting to go back to normal, a lot of us are dealing with the repercussions of that, um, where our body has been, you know, shooting off adrenaline and cortisol to deal with the unknown. And now that we can take a minute to rest and digest, um, our bodies are, are catching up. And that might look like you're exhausted and you're sleeping all the time, it might look like depression or anxiety, or it might look like some other sort of diagnosis. And in my case, there's a little smattering of all of that that's happened for me. So uh, today I'm gonna to talk very briefly about what has happened with my ADHD diagnosis. Um, and then I'm gonna talk about why it happened now and how I have coped for the most the majority of my adult life And uh, it's going to relay back to fitness. And if you've been looking for some motivation, um, whether you have ADHD or not, whether you are distracted or not, if you are somebody who has felt like they're coming down from this pandemic period with um, a case of the blues or anxiety or distraction or anything like that, this is going to apply to you. So I'm going to roll back to uh, maybe about this time last year. And we were in the height of the pandemic and things were pretty chaotic for a lot of us. And you know, I'm actually very grateful that the pandemic didn't impact my employment or you know our economic situation. We're safe and we're healthy. We never never got COVID. I never even had to take a COVID test because quite literally, I didn't leave my house for a year. But uh, that's the upside. The downside of that is that there was a lot of isolation, a lot of missing people. Because again, I'm pretty new to the state that we live in now, so it was a very lonely period for us. Um, thank goodness I had my husband and my three pups. But aside from that, we didn't see a lot of people. We're now starting to get out there. Uh, we have to travel obviously to see people that um, are close to us. So we're starting to do that a little bit now. And we'll continue to do that throughout the rest of 2021. Uh, but it has not been without its bumps and bruises. And for me, um, you know, I consider myself an introvert, but I do need to have my people time. So I have just been so lonely and that has caused, I believe, some situational depression for me, just missing family and friends. Uh, But it also caused a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, I will say some cognitive issues between last year and this year. Um... I first noticed last year that I was having a hard time concentrating and um, feeling very distracted. I've always been quite distracted, but I've always had really good coping mechanisms, which I will get into in a minute because I think that's going to be really important for all of you to hear. Uh, But what happened, I think, at the end of the pandemic or even during the pandemic is that my coping mechanisms that I've had throughout my entire life stopped working so well. And I had a hard time uh, transitioning between work and not work, as I believe we all did. Um, And just dealing in general with a life, my uh, short-term memory, my working memory uh, was not great. My ability to make decisions was um, hindered, I believe. And my ability to Forward thinking uh, was really hindered. For me, that's always been a strength my ability to kind of see what the future holds or what I'd like the future to hold, hold that vision in my mind, and then set a course towards it, whether it's, you know, a detailed goal plan or just sort of um, a natural inclination to move in a direction. Like, for example, in 2019, I thought, I want to get out of the Bay Area. So it was my vision for us to move here to Austin and that materialized. So I've always been very good at that. And last year, I just, I had no vision for the future. And I really didn't have any context for what was going to happen next. And all of that really started to concern me a little bit. I don't want to uh, imply that You know, I had completely lost my ability to cope. I was still able to do my job and function as a normal human being. But the difference was that it was harder. It was much harder and not just because of the pandemic, but it was harder internally. It was harder cognitively. It was harder from an energetic standpoint and just focus. And um, I think that that created a lot more anxiety for me along with everything else that has been happening in the past year. All of that culminating to... um, finding out uh, that I have ADHD and getting a, a, a formal diagnosis. And I want to share with you just very briefly how that happened and why it happened. And, um, and I think what I'll do in next week's episode, because I am getting back to regular scheduled uh, podcasts, I will go into more of the um, symptoms next week. Because I think a lot of women are starting to realize that this is what they're dealing with. So um, I, there's a few people I follow on social media that have ADHD, and I'm just entirely grateful to them for being very honest about their experience with it, as I'm doing right now. Because I think the more we talk about this experience, the more it not only normalizes it, but also... Um, gives women the opportunity to see it in themselves as a potential, uh, you know, not to promote overdiagnosis, but I think we're highly underdiagnosed, especially as adults. And if you are an adult over the age of like 35 or 40 and you have ADHD, there's a very good chance that it was missed, especially if you're a woman, uh, because young girls back in the seventies and eighties, sixties, um, maybe even into the nineties, I'm not sure, We're not, uh, there wasn't, you know, as much knowledge and awareness of ADHD back then in the the school system. Uh, parents weren't really that familiar with it. So it was missed in a lot of young girls. So they grow up into women who had no idea that they have ADHD until, you know, their child is diagnosed and they start realizing it and, or they learn about it through, um, other people sharing their experience. So I hope that this is helpful in that respect. So, uh, Personally, what I connected with that other people were sharing was an inability to focus a lot of the time, a lot of distraction, inability to finish things, getting things to about 80% done and then kind of dropping them, um, having a variety of different interests but not being able to hold any of them to through to fruition, um, struggling reading books, uh, struggling comprehending when I'm reading. And I write and read for a living. So this is this is a big deal for me not to be able to really comprehend and uh, be able to you know, read something that's complicated or listen to something that's complicated and technical and be able to digest it and rewrite it in a way that is going to be digestible to an audience because that's what I do during my day job. Uh, So these things that I heard from other people made me realize that there's a good chance that I had ADHD. And as I The one thing that they will say, they being the medical community, is that ADHD is not something that comes about in adulthood. It is something that you always have, and uh, very often you're not diagnosed. Um, But if there is no symptoms of ADHD before the age of 12, it is likely that you don't have ADHD. You're just suffering from distraction, which is, I believe, something that a lot of us are dealing with, or some other sort of um, issue like anxiety or depression. Uh, which can show up as ADHD symptoms as well, but I did have a lot of struggle in uh, school. I was not very good at comprehension. I uh, dropped out of high school, as I think I've shared before. Uh, I did eventually go back and get um, a graduate degree and uh, an undergraduate degree, but these things were very hard for me and um, learning was very difficult for me. I think I was slightly dyslexic as well, but I always chalked that up to having uh, a difficult family life as a child, which is true. Um, and another reason probably why my learning disabilities were overlooked because everybody was just trying to get through the day. But uh, I was able to see how there was a lot of similarities, uh, and I could point to various different points in my childhood and see, yeah, that's what could have been ADHD, as opposed to me just not thinking I'm very smart. Um, Another thing from an emotional regulation standpoint in terms of ADHD, if you're somebody who seems to ruminate an awful lot, uh, I think a lot of us ruminate, but it's an overabundance of rumination, uh, is another key factor for ADHD. And, um, there is, it's not part of the DSM-5, which is sort of the, the holy Bible of diagnosis for psychologists, uh, but a rejection sensitivity dysphoria where, uh, you're basically just have a heightened sense of, um, reaction to uh, anything that's perceived as a rejection, which may or may not actually be the case. And I've always known that I'm a a very sensitive person. So once I heard about that, and I went down the rabbit hole of what all of those things are, they all just started to point towards, wow, I think I have ADHD. Uh, So as I started to learn about this, and again, in future episodes, I think I'll take a couple at the very least and just walk through um, some, uh, basics of ADHD. Uh, but for me, when I realized that this sounded pretty, um, familiar, I did a few online tests, which I think it's certainly not a formal diagnosis, but I think it's a really good start. Um, I did a few online tests and those tests came back as very high for both, um, uh, both hyperactivity and inattentive. And those are the two different types of, um, ADHD. Uh, so ADHD stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, and uh, there, the two main types is obviously the hyperactive where we often see the young boys that just can't sit still. Uh, and I was not a hyperactive child, um, but that also can show up in like leg wiggling a lot or if you kind of squirm a little bit in your chair, or if you can sit still, if, you're, if you've got a lot of nervous habits, like you pick at your skin or you pull at your eyelashes and things like that, that's hyperactivity expressed in different ways. Um, and then the inattentive piece is, is very um, evident for me and it's also pretty self-explanatory. So I took a few online tests, noticed that, yes, they were saying that I probably do have it quite severely. And then uh, that provoked me to go through the formal diagnosis process. So I think it's going to be very different, that, that diagnosis process for everybody, depending on where you live and what sort of healthcare access you have. Um, for me, I went to um, an ADHD um, neurologist. Well, actually, I'll back up. During the height of the pandemic, when I first realized that I had this, I did a telecall through my health insurance with a psychiatrist, and I told him what my symptoms were. and He said, "Sounds like a possibility, but you really need to get tested by a, a neuropsychologist first, and then go to a psychiatrist if you want to get um, you know you want to experiment with um, treatment, like." medication. So that's what I did. I found a neuropsychologist uh, at a clinic who deals specifically with testing for ADHD. And the wait list was horrendous. The whole uh, process took about three or four months. Uh, And essentially, it was uh, an initial interview to see if, um, you know, it was a path worth. It was her initial discussion with me to see if you know ADHD was a possibility. We kind of walked through what I thought my symptoms were, what I was dealing with, and then when she thought yes, this sounds like it's ADHD, then we're going to go through all this um, neurological testing. And then um, there was a follow up appointment where she kind of gave me that whole diagnosis and walked through my brain. Uh, so I went. You know, we did the initial assessment. She said yes, it sounds like ADHD. And then I went into the diagnostic piece, which was mostly via Zoom because of current circumstances, but I had to go into the office for half of a day to do some testing, um, just basically, you know, pressing buttons on things to test my attention span. Uh, and once that was completed, I left that office and went home and continued my testing via zoom for the rest of the day. Um, I'm going to pause here, um, and give a warning, uh, to anyone who's seeking, um, testing, or if you think you want to go down that path, I thought I was just being tested for ADHD. What it turns out I was being tested for my, um, Oh, uh, intellect and my i q and my myers Briggs and there was a whole bunch of things that I was also given in a full report, a full diagnostic afterwards and While those things are you know interesting to some degree and in some cases unwelcomed because if you 're not prepared to hear what your uh, i q is then um, it, it, you know you might not want that so uh, uh, just a tip here if you are actually going to seek diagnosis um, ask your clinician exactly what they're testing you for. And because if you, especially if you're paying out of pocket, there's maybe things that you don't need to know about, um, I didn't need to know my myers my Break, for example. I already knew what it was. Um, I didn't necessarily need to know where my IQ was strongest. And like, I, I could have told you I'm very strong in, in verbal IQ and reading um, in terms of like my vocabulary because I'm a writer for a living, but I suck at math. And that's basically what she told me and I didn't really need that iteration. Uh, but long story short, I did get my formal diagnosis. And um, from that point, I was able to go Forward and seek um, treatment. Now, that is something that is entirely up to you as to whether or not you want to explore medications. I'm open to exploring them and uh, to see if they help, but um, I know I think you absolutely have to, and I respect that a lot of people wouldn't want to do uh, medications. So, it's just something that I'm curious about. If I feel, uh, Personally, my view is if a medication makes my quality of life better, if anything makes my quality of life better, I'm all here for it. So that's my view. Um, if you are somebody who's like, I will never, ever, ever consider uh, ADHD medication, then I wouldn't even necessarily... Um, take the expense and time of getting formally tested it, it, act as if you have it and uh live accordingly and i will talk more about that in the future uh, so anyways that's the whole process that happened for me i will say um you know i'm very fortunate in that we have great health coverage so uh i think my copay. And that is like the portion that I pay here in the United States to our insurance was $30 and uh, insurance paid about $3,500 for that entire process. So uh, it's going to be different. I know a friend of mine in Canada um, was also looking for diagnosis. She went to her um, her GP and uh, she said you could go to you know person A and pay for it yourself and get an appointment right away, or you can go to person B and wait three months and get it covered by... Um, you know OHIP, which is the Ontario healthcare and healthcare plan, and that's that's Canada. So wherever you are, things are going to be different. Uh, I do know that diagnoses are more popular here in the United States. That could be access to healthcare. Um, it could be you know more awareness of it. I don't know what that is, but about temp- they say about somewhere between 7 to 10% of the population of children have it, which means 7 you know, to 10% of the adult population has it as well, because ADHD is not something that's cured. So on that note, uh, I want to sort of transition into why I think that I have been able to cope so well up until the pandemic with uh, ADHD and... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's that's where it kind of ties into the theme of this podcast, which is fitness. Um, next to medication, this is scientifically proven. Next to medication, the next best uh, coping uh, mechanism for the symptoms of ADHD is physical exercise. It uh, exercise not only um, you know adds. Uh, adds more blood to the brain during like the time that you're working out, it lasts thereafter. So for, you know, every, like let's say 30 to 45 minute, like block of exercise that you do, your most focused, um, time of your day is going to be the two to three hours that follows that period of time. So, For me, uh, I've often talked about how probably the one saving grace of my life has been the habit I've built around fitness. And I believe that that has been my coping mechanism. It has helped me make better decisions in my life. It has helped with executive function. And that is one of the things that people with ADHD really struggle with executive function within like the free the prefrontal cortex of your brain. It's where, you know, you manage planning and execution and follow through and all of those good things. Um, without my exercise that as I, as you know, I do pretty much daily, I, um, probably would have been, On a bad trajectory. I know this because I didn't come out of the womb exercising every day. As you guys know, I had a weight problem, a very big weight problem, when I was younger. And along with that weight problem, I also had, uh, you know, just a basic functioning problem. I struggled in school. I made really bad social decisions. I had extremely poor self esteem. I made bad life choices uh, regarding health and money. I, you know, had debt problems, credit issues, couldn't hold a job. I can't tell you how many jobs I had as a teenager. Uh, Always getting into trouble, skipping school, you know, inability to focus on anything, disruptive. Like I was a bit of a shit as a a kid and as a teenager. And I also, you know, was a compulsive eater and um, didn't move, didn't move at all. And as a result, I was well over 200 pounds and I was just a bit of a mess. And I don't think my parents had a lot of hope for me as, you know, like a functioning adult. And it wasn't until uh, my early 20s that I picked up running. And I've told you this story before, so if you haven't heard it, you can go back and listen to my own weight loss story. But in my early twenties, I just got to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't like myself this way anymore. Smoking, binge drinking, hanging out with the wrong crowd, bartending, high school dropout. I was like, I was a mess. So one day, and, and I'm extremely overweight, and I attributed all of those um, conditions in my life to my weight problem. So. As a result, one day I just got fed up with myself, put on my pair of running shoes and started quote unquote jogging, which was a bit of a mess, but I did it. I I didn't have the internet to Google online workouts or anything like that. So running was the only thing I could even think of or jogging as I called it. And uh, I put on my shoes and I went for a jog. And then the next day I put on my shoes and I went for a jog again, no matter how much it hurt. Uh, and I had shin splints and I wasn't doing it right. and I didn't have the right equipment or anything like that. But I just felt like the only way, um, like by the grace of God, the uh, like I felt like this intuition that the only way I'm going to fix myself is if I start moving. And I did, I started moving and it was messy and it was inconsistent and it was painful, but I kept at it over time. And, um, I've told you this story before it went from, you know, jogging to, um, starting to see a little bit of progress from a weight perspective. So that momentum, Got me to start eating a little bit better, and as I got to eat a little bit better and lose even more weight, then I joined a gym, which I still didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I was a member of various different gyms for about five or six years, not knowing what the hell I was doing. I would just go in and go to the cardio machines because I didn't know how to use the weight machines, and it didn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, I was moving my body, and slowly but surely, I lost the weight and. In every weight loss story until now, I have said that my life turned around because of fitness. And while that's true, it's not the full story. The full story is my life turned around because of fitness and fitness helped me with my executive function and coping with my ADHD, which then enabled me to live a proper functioning, happy adult life to this point. I had no idea no idea that fitness was going to play such a role in my brain health, in my mental wellness, in my mental um, ability to just live a good life. And it's funny, you know, people have said to me, oh, you're very lucky, Um, seems like, you know, things go well for you, you live, I remember an old boss of mine once told me I lived a charmed life, and maybe it looks like that from the outside, but on the inside, I mean, life has always been challenging for me, no more so than anybody else. Um, I've had my, my challenges for sure, but, and I've been so proud of myself for the way I've handled a lot of challenges in my life. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, had I not picked up that, habit of fitness and self-care and taking care of myself from an early age, I don't even know if I would be alive today. I honestly don't know. Actually, I'm. there's a fifty greater than 50-50 chance that I would have killed myself by now, not necessarily by suicide, but because I was such a heavy smoker and drinker and partier. I was a mess. And, you know, folks that don't grow out of that um, tend to die younger. So all that to be said, I have a whole new... Uh, gratitude towards my fitness practice, my self-care habits, and um, you know how I've managed to cope and uh, just care for myself without even realizing how impactful it is until today. And I am so grateful that I had this diagnosis. Um, there's a lot of processing once you get that diagnosis. You can't help but look back at life and think, how could things have been different if I had known about this and, you know, had the support and medications or whatever else it was, it, all the knowledge, if I hadn't known then what I know now, a lot of my life could have been a lot easier. Maybe I'd be a little fuller along in a lot of places, but... I am where I am and I'm grateful for all of the challenges that I've had because they've made me the person I am today. And fitness has made me the person I am today. And I am not some, you know, Instagram fitness freak with rock hard abs and you know glutes for days. I, I'm a lean, healthy woman, but I'm by no means a fitness fanatic. I work out because it makes me feel good and it keeps me happy and it keeps me aligned and in my body and making good choices. So I will forever be grateful for fitness for that. And I will forever, you know, bang on the table, uh, with my fists, uh, every day, because that is my message. Like is one of the greatest forms of self-love is to move your body and to feed it well. So anyways, uh, I wanted to record this episode and not make it, you know, too, too long because um, I I feel like it's really important for me to share that experience just on the off chance that either the symptoms I talked about um, sounded familiar to you or the other piece, the inability to make proper decisions or, you know, just if you just keep finding yourself going down like blatantly wrong paths and you can't figure out why you do that. There's maybe a bit more to it. And, you know, you might want to explore ADHD, but, um, while you're doing that, uh, tie up your tennis shoes and go out for that messy jog. It doesn't matter what you look like, even if it's just a walk, uh, just move your body and do it every day and do it for at least 30 minutes. You don't have to do more than 30 minutes, but do it for at least 30 minutes, and it can be whatever you want it to be, because the best form of exercise is the form of exercise that you will do every day. And see if that doesn't help you cope with life and just adult better. (laughs) So anyways, there is more to this story because it doesn't stop with the diagnosis, and I want to share everything that I have done to dive in and learn about ADHD, and not just that, but add to my coaching with ADHD. I'm now, actually. well, actually I'll save this for next week. There's a lot more to come. I'm excited to share it with you. What I will leave you with right now is that I don't feel sorry for myself for one minute that I have this. It is what it is. There are also benefits to ADHD, which I'm learning about as well. We do have some strengths. We are more creative and spontaneous people. So, um, more on this next week and, uh, I can't wait to share more with you, but, uh, I just wanted to leave that with you and I hope it's helpful and I hope that you are doing well in what we are hopefully calling this post-pandemic era and I will talk to you next week. Take care. You guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Fit Habit. I would love, love, love to hear from you. So please, if you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review. Apparently, that's helpful. Um, But more importantly, I would love to connect with you. So head on over to Instagram and find me at underscore thefithabit. That's my handle. And I would just love to get to know you a little bit better. So reach out to me there. Say hi. And thanks again for listening.